Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today, uh, I'm going to dive into a series where this man reflected Jesus' glory. And I'm going to talk to you in this series uh, called Extraordinary, some life lessons out of David's life, King David's life. And David was a preflection, so to speak. Uh, we're, we're a reflection of Jesus, but, but David's a preflection, so to speak. He's a uh, reflection from the Old Testament forward. And so he's reflecting the glory of God. He's a type of Jesus. He, he symbolizes Christ from the Old Testament. And so as we look at David's life, we're going to learn some lessons. And uh, one of those is, you know, God brought David from this place of obscurity. I'm not necessarily talking about Bethlehem, the town that he came from. Uh, so Jesus was born in Bethlehem. David is from Bethlehem. But he brought him from this place of obscurity. Uh, you really didn't know. We don't know who David was up until right around uh, the time where he's being uh, sought out and anointed as the future king of Israel. Just an ordinary kid in an ordinary family in an ordinary town. And Shay and I have been over there to Israel. We've seen these places. And, uh, you know, to, to us, they seem larger than life. But over there, they're just like Daphne, Alabama is, oh, uh, Bethlehem is over there. They have uh, lots of vendors and companies. And uh, there's division in uh, the culture over there. There's lots of things going over there. That are here, so he he picks this this young boy out of, of of so to speak obscurity, ordinariness, and he does something extraordinary with his life. And you know, I I know that there are times in our lives you may not feel this way, but I do. Like we we get to these places in life where where we're like. Um, you know, we, there's, there's more, but I don't feel like I'm accomplishing more. Has anybody ever been there in your world? Like, I, I'm there a lot of times. I'm like, God, there's more. There, I feel like there's more. But I, but I, I don't feel like I'm comp accomplishing that or, or I'm at that place. And apostolic people, visionary people, have a lot of trouble living in the, in the future, and so uh, we don't appreciate the now, you know, we're, because we're living so far out. God shows us things. God's given us vision. God's given us uh, uh, birth things in the spirit realm, but they're not yet in the natural. And we're living out there so far that we don't appreciate. Like when Rachel was talking earlier today about finding a, 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 a place of being thankful, believe it or not, I, as your pastor, your leader, you know, I'm sitting there going, God, I know I can come up with thankful things. Like, you know, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for the church. But I'm talking about like, but a, a, a true, like, oh my God, I'm so thankful for this was not coming to mind for me. And the reason is because there's so many things out there that I want not selfishly, I don't think, but for the kingdom that are not yet, that it's hard for me to appreciate this because I'm out there. And so he, he, he plucks this, uh, this, this young guy up from ordinariness and, and takes him and does extraordinary things. And I want you to understand that, you know, if you've just read the Bible a, a little bit, you'll, or even heard it preached a little bit, you, you know that God works through ordinary people. God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things with it. When you look from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you look through and you see most of the people that God did extraordinary things with, he did it through ordinary people. His disciples, they're just, you know, a bunch of bumbling, you know, boats 
bozos, uh, you know, like the three stooges. They're out there, they're bumbling, trying to fish and make a living. They're not getting it right. They're denying them. They're doing all these crazy things. And you're, and you're going, and this is who you're leaving the church to? Why? Because God gets glory. You know, he opposes the proud. God hates pride. And look, like, I'm telling you, man, God, he'll pick an ordinary person and he'll do extraordinary things through those people because many times ordinary people do not have pride issues. It's the people who they're extraordinary. They've been told they're extraordinary their whole life. They are proud of their abilities, beliefs, and, and uh, 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 you know, talents. And so it becomes more about them than it does about God. And so he, he uh, focuses in, and where we're coming into this story, we're coming into it where the king of Israel, Saul, we're not talking about the apostle Paul who became Saul. We're talking about Old Testament Saul. He's in uh, leadership. He's the king of Israel. But, God, but because of his disobedience and because of his hard heart and, and him doing things his way and not God's way, God rejected him and God removed his spirit from Saul. So where we are in the story where we're fixing to pick up, God has rejected Saul and backed off, and now Saul's going to fight his own battles. This is how Saul fights his battles, and it turns out bad. And he said, if you want to do it your own, I'm going to let you do it your own way. And so he backs off, and he lets him do what he wants to do, and he rejects Saul. And there's a very important... Uh, scripture that we've got to look at first before we get into uh, the scripture that I want to read to you. And it's 1 Samuel 13 and 14. And this is where he's telling Saul, I've rejected you. And he says, but now your kingdom, Saul, must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Not your own heart, his, God's own heart. And he says, I've sought a man God's been seeking for a man. God's still seeking for men and women after his own heart. And the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So you got to keep this in mind because later when he chooses David, he, set, he calls David a man after his own heart. This is where that happens right here on the screen. This is where it happens. He has been seeking out a man after his own heart and he finds him. He doesn't find him in the palace. He doesn't find him in the political arena. He doesn't find him in the wealthiest mansion on the planet. He doesn't find him in the, uh, in the uh, uh, educational institution. Where does he find this, this guy, this kid? In the field. In the field, he goes and finds him in obscurity and ordinariness. And so I want you to understand this. This is a key point today, that the Father creates extraordinary partnerships with ordinary people. He creates extraordinary partnerships. Like he wants to do this together. God doesn't need you. He wants you. God doesn't need me. He wants me. He wants it to be a partnership. He wants to receive glory. And he also wants me to receive glory. He wants you to receive glory. And he will do it. I don't know if you've ever thought that you were special or extraordinary or if you just have a low self-esteem and you think you're worthless. None of those are the ones that God wants you to have. God just wants you to be the best you you can be. You don't have to make yourself extraordinary. Just be the best you that you can be. Are you following me? Just, just do your best. Do your best. Don't try to be the best of some other person. I don't have to try to uh, copy all of these people. One time I had somebody to preach and I, I came up to them afterwards and I said, listen, you do not have to be Stephen Furtick. Because I'm, I'm telling you, when, when I'm listening to, to them preach, Every little Stephen Furtick, and y'all might not know him, he's pastor, big time pastor over in uh, one of the 
Charlotte, I believe. Uh, Charlotte. You don't have to be somebody else. Be the best you. Be the best you. Shay and I pastored uh, uh, on staff with, with someone one time. And uh, I always wondered, the, 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 the pastor had some strange mannerisms. Um, and I didn't understand them. You know, I mean, I, you know, we came on staff, had some strange mannerisms. And I thought, wonder why he does that. And, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's not like it's uh, against God's law or, you know, or it, it was just a little strange for me. And then we noticed, uh, we, we were over their house and we were watching uh, television. And he had one of these TV preachers on the television. And we're sitting there watching it and it was like we were watching him. And I'm like, oh, that's, that, that's, his, that's his idol, I guess. Like everything that guy did, he prayed in the altar like that guy prayed. He did certain things just like that guy did. And I'm like, wow, he doesn't know, our pastor doesn't know who he is in Christ. That's scary. Don't get me wrong. All pastors have, have faults. All of us have our shortcomings. But man, you don't want the guy up front trying to lead somebody to uh, uh, lead others in their identities when we don't know who we are in Christ. Are, are you following me? And so God wants to partner with us. And so I want you to dive into 1 Samuel chapter 16 with me, all right? I'm gonna read the entire chapter and I know I don't have a lot of time left, all right? Verse one, are you there? I'm reading from the New Living Translation as I usually do. So now the Lord said to Samuel, who's the prophet, he said, you've mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So he says, fill your flask with olive oil, that's Holy Spirit. So wherever you're going on a task for the Lord, you better be taking Holy Spirit with you. So he says, fill your flask with oil, And go to Bethlehem, the house of fresh bread. That's what that means. Go to Bethlehem. It's time to get a new loaf of bread. Ooh, Jesus. Because Saul has done got stale and moldy. And and, and God ain't into stale bread. He he, he said, it's time to go to the grocery store. And get us some new bread. So I want you to strike out for Bethlehem because it's time to go get some fresh bread. And I want you to find a man who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. God's been looking for somebody. Verse two, but Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Uh, God says, I want you to take a heifer. And, I, and the Lord replied, uh, And say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. I want you to invite um, Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. All right, so stop right there. Everybody on on board with, with us? God's rejected Saul. God's spoken to Samuel. Samuel, it's your job to go get us some fresh bread. I want you to go to Bethlehem, go get Jesse, all Jesse's sons, and you're going to find out when I tell you which son is the one that I have selected to anoint. Everybody say anoint. Anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Uh, When he arrived at Bethlehem, this is important, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. Wow, the prophet comes and they are scared. Why? Because prophets bring about alignment. And in the Old Testament, man, you didn't get your tail in line. They're going to call some judgment of God down on you. You know what I'm saying? The elders of the town came out trembling and saying, what's wrong? They asked, do you come in peace? I wrote LOL in my Bible. (laughs) They're like, well... Don't want none, don't start none, all right? And Samuel said, yes, yes, I've come in peace. I've come to sacrifice. So purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice too, which means also, which means in addition. So the elders come out, but Jesse's not an elder, okay, so the house of Jesse is not all up in the politicalness of, like they're, they're not people on, on the higher leadership rung. 
So he invites those elders that come out, and then he invites Jesse, the ordinary family, too. Okay? All right. So, verse 5. Um, yes, Samuel replied, I've come to sacrifice to the, oh, sorry, verse six, verse six. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Like Eliab's the oldest. He's the one that gets to come out first. He's parading his sons in front of him. He doesn't really truly know why. And oh, Samuel, the prophet who God told to go there. Isn't it funny that sometimes the prophet doesn't know the fullness of everything. They know in part, they see in part, but wonder why God just didn't say, go there, it's the, it's the little scrawny guy. He's not gonna be there when you get there. He's gonna be on the backside. I, I don't know. God does these things and he does it ultimately for his glory. And so he takes one look at big old stout Eliab and he says, surely, man, this is the one that the Lord has anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him. That's the second time in this scripture right here in verse six, uh, chapter 16 that he uses the word reject. Now reject is a strong word. Nobody likes to be rejected. Rejected almost, uh, well, it really sort of implies like there's something there undesirable about it. Like he rejected Saul, but he also rejected Eliab. We don't know why he rejected him, but God, for whatever reason, he has his reasons. And he says, I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see, the, see things the way you see them. I'm in verse seven. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord, Lord looks at the heart. The Lord is impressed by people's heart. You cannot see people's heart. You cannot see people's motives. You cannot see their intentions. Like you don't know that. It takes time to get to know that. But God sees straight through us like with some x-ray vision. You know, he don't have to get to know you. He already knows you. Like I gotta get to know you. The scripture says, know those who labor among you. In other words, it takes some time in relationship. God don't need all that. He created you. He knows you. He knows your thoughts. And so he says, I don't look at those kinds of things. I look at the heart. Say, I look at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Sammy, uh, uh, next Jesse summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen? In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented uh, to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are there any other sons that you have? Jesse answers, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Wow, think about this. He didn't even get invited to the party. He wasn't even significant enough to get an invitation when he, Jesse's, all of his sons were invited. But David wasn't significant enough. He wasn't extraordinary like the other ones supposedly were. And he says, Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. Say anoint him. Anoint is so important. So the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took out the flask of olive oil that he had brought and he anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Now, let, let, let me stop real quick. In between these, some time happened. Now, if you're not careful, you're just reading it and, man, he anointed David. Then he went back to Ramah. And we're, right we are, right there needs to be, meanwhile, back at the palace. That, there needs to be that in the Bible. Because there's time that had passed from here. 
And so some time in the future, the spirit of the Lord left Saul. We already know that, but sometime in the future, this is happening. The spirit of the Lord left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. All right. So I don't want to get into that. The Lord sent it. The, the Lord, remember, the Lord moved his protection. The, the kavod, the glory of God had departed from Saul. Now he's free reign for any spirit. He's actually Ichabod now. The Lord has departed. And so that's how these spirits can, can come in here. So these, these tormenting spirits came. All right, and caused depression and fear. In verse 15, some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God, who, who are they saying it's from? It's from God, is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp wherever, whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you and he will play soothing music and you will soon begin to feel well. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. Now look at what one of the servants of Saul said. One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. In other words, he's he, an uh, ancient guitar player. Think about that. Not only that, he's, brave, he's a brave warrior, he's a man of God, and he has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send your son David, the shepherd, who is he? He's David the shepherd. David the shepherd. David the shepherd. What an ordinary thing. He says, Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with it, a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and wineskin uh, full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much. So there's, they've got this father-son relationship that's taken off, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I'm very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp and then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. And the tormenting spirit would go away. That's important. So let me see if I can preach this to you in a few minutes, all right? The Father creates extraordinary partnerships with ordinary people. He's creating a partnership with David. We're going to go through this series. We're going to find a lot of things that God does through David. And as he does it through David, he will do it through you and me. All right? So when we're learning these from David, we're learning these for ourselves. So as David was ordinary... You and I are ordinary people. I don't know your background, but I pretty much know the majority of the people in this room. And as far as I know, nobody in here comes from royalty. Like you, you I'm not talking about heavenly royalty. We're all that. I'm talking about royalty. Y'all can get these uh, uh, DNA things where they swab around your mouth or whatever and you send it off and they'll tell you you're related to the, you know, fifth earl of whatever in, in London or what, like, you know, I mean, and that might be true, that might not be true. I had a person who was close to me one time told me that he was kin uh, to Queen Elizabeth. And I'm like, whatever, boy, get out of my face, man. I don't know about all that, you know. As far as I know, y'all are ordinary folks, all right? We're just, we're just ordinary people. We are in good, uh, we are in a good pool because God looks for ordinary when he wants to do extraordinary things. Look at this. What, how does God find these ordinary people and what does he do with, with making these partnerships? So when God makes partnerships, how does he do that? What is he looking for? And do we fit any of these? Well, number one, God looks at the heart of a person. First Samuel 16 and seven, he says, I look 
at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I'm telling you what, man in church today, we look at all this stuff up here and we'll be blown away by glitz and glamour and, you know, uh, church that seems like, you know, it's Hollywood-esque and God ain't interested in any of that. God's not interested if we have drums or not. We are. God's not interested if we have keyboardists or not. We are. God's not interested if we have a, a, a program for senior adults or youth or whatever or how we, you know, but we are. God's not interested in how eloquent the pastor is. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the apostle Paul said, we have not come to you with enticing words or fancy floral speech, but we've come to you in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Don't, don't take my words for it. Take the action of the Holy Ghost through us because I'm in partnership with God. See, he says, I look at the heart of people. It doesn't matter about the aesthetics. That's a new word. I had somebody to ask me the other day, young person to ask me the other day. I think it was my daughter. And she asked me, do I know what aesthetic means? I'm like, girl, I graduated. I went to college. I got a pretty decent vocabulary. Yes, I know what aesthetics means. But the way they change it, you know, because it's, it's become almost a slang now. You know, oh, I like her aesthetic. I like your aesthetic. Like, yeah, I know what aesthetic means. And God ain't into aesthetics. He ain't into your outward appearance. You know, he is into the heart. What does the heart look like? So when God is putting a partnership together, he's putting it together based upon things that people cannot see. When you're in a when you in an interview with the Holy Ghost, He don't care if you wore a tie to the interview. When you cut, when you're in an interview with the Holy Ghost, He doesn't care if you say ain't or don't or use double negatives in a sentence. He's not interested in that. What He is interested in, He's interested in our heart. And I'm telling you what. You can fool people with the outside, but you cannot fool God with the heart. You cannot. And as a matter of fact, you cannot, you can't fool people long because out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it doesn't matter what the outside looks like because sooner or later, if the inside is different than the outside, the outside, uh, the, the inside's going to slip up and the inside is going to come out sooner or later. And you can say that in a good way and a bad way. I'm just telling you. The glory of God, if it's in your heart, it's going to slip out. It's going to come out. You can't be talking like that on the, on the job. It's going to come out sooner or later. And you might not be full out preaching Jesus Christ, Son of God, risen Soon coming king, but the goodness of God, the glory of God, the love of God is going to spill out. God looks at the heart of a person. So what does David's heart look like? Number one, he had the heart of God. He had the heart of God. He, as far as I know, he is the only man in scripture that is named. It doesn't mean that he's the only man. It's just that he's the only man listed in scripture. I'm telling you, I believe I'm a God a man after God's own heart. I believe there are many of you in this room that you are men and women after God's own heart. Our name isn't necessarily written in this, but David had God's own heart. God was attracted to that. And I can only imagine that David, you know, we get all those Psalms, which are really songs. We get all of those Psalms that that were written. I'll, I'll guarantee you some of those songs came from his childhood as he was sitting out there just strumming away, uh, watching over the seat, sheep. God heard those songs. He heard those cries. David had the heart of a worshiper. When, you when you're a worshiper, it bleeds out of you. It just comes out of you. When you're a worshiper, you do not have to get keyed up, geared up, riled up, cheered up. You just come in and you start up. You know, you just start. You just start it. A worshiper. He was a worshiper. He loved his God. And in the Psalms, he, he pays homage to his mom. He calls her maiden servant. 
But he pays, pays homage to his mom as he, all of his love for the Lord, his mom pushed him in this intim- direction of intimacy with the Lord. Oh, I, I wish I knew more about her. He, he was, uh, had a heart of humility. He's, he's out in the field. He has a heart of humility. He's, you know, the, the job of shepherd is a lowly position. We know his family wasn't wealthy, like extreme wealth. He wasn't wealthy because shepherding is the job of a servant. You follow me? So we know they were just the average family. The sons got to get up and go milk the cows. The sons have to get up and go watch them. So we know he was humble. We know he had a shepherd's heart. A shepherd is caring. A shepherd is a caregiver, a provider, a protector. So those same ways of of taking care of the animals, we know that he had those, those, those feelings towards people. He was diligent in his commitment. The scripture says that his reputation preceded him. He is a skilled musician. He's a war uh, uh, machine. You know, I, I don't know. I'd have to go read it. But I don't know of any wars that David had been in up until the time where that reputation. So I don't know where that comes from. But he was, he was a man of war. He was someone who was trained and poised and ready to go. We know that he was not a draft a dodger. By, you know, in the future where, where he goes to battle with Goliath, he wasn't a draft dodger. He wasn't somebody that, that shirked it. He actually wanted to run to the battle. He wanted to be in the battle. He, he, he wanted to defend his God, even though God didn't need defending. Does that make sense? He was diligent. He was committed. This is his heart. And he was a servant. Scripture says that he goes and he serves in the house of Saul. So that's the heart that he had. God is seeking seekers. How does God put together these partnerships? God is seeking seekers. People that are seeking after God, God is seeking them. He is looking forward uh, forward into the earth, looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. He is looking for people who are seeking him, want a relationship with him, are desirous of him, of him. Seeking his face and not his hands. Are you following me? The majority of the church nowadays, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Let me back it up and think. Let me just say a lot of the church. Can I say it that way? A lot of the church is seeking God's hands. God, I need you to do this for me. God, can you do this for me? God, what can you provide for me? When God is wanting people to seek his face, just seek me. Look me in my eye when I'm talking to you and you're talking to me. Can I have your attention? Can we just be in a conversation together? Can we just build relationship together? God is seeking the seekers. Look at this verse of scripture, 1 Samuel 16 and 11. We've already read it. When he said, do you have any other sons? And he said, You know, I've got the youngest. He's still out in the field. Go get him now. Go get him now. That's who I'm here for. The one who's not necessarily looking for position. Mm -mm -mm. Go get him. Because see, all all, all these guys, they know what I do. Samuel walks into the room. They know who he is. Who is, he's he's a king anointer. Are, Are you following me? The very first king of Israel, Saul, he anointed, so he's anointed, he is a king anointer. In other words, he makes people king. God really does it, chooses it, but the anointing. So these, these cats are in there like, man, I, I just won naked and afraid. Man, I just won alone. You know, these, these uh, man, I, I'm, I'm fixing to get, get, get me my reward, man. I'm, I'm in the competition here. And God said, none of these, I'm seeking the seeker. Who has been seeking me? None of these, none of these, none of these have been seeking me. Who's, Who's been seeking me? Where's the one? Where's the one? Do you have any more? And there's this one back here. Go get him because we are not gonna sit down. 
and eat until he's here. God is seeking people that are seeking him. That's who he's looking for. God is looking for people who are seeking him. I don't mean, man, that you just, that, that you got raised in church, that you, you know, you, you've been here for a while. As a matter of fact, that spirit of religion will get offended every time when somebody comes into the church. I, they ain't been here as long as I have. I've served. I've done my time. Why ain't he? Man, there's some people who ain't here today who need to hear this. And there's some people in the building that need to hear it. But I'm telling you, God is looking for the seekers, the ones who come in and they're like, dude, I just want, I'm going hard after God. I'm going hard after God. Are you following me? A spirit of religion will rise up super quick. It's not like I'm saying this because I've read it somewhere. I've seen it in my, in my uh, ministry and other places, and I've seen it at Destiny Church. There will be people that will get upset because they just trotting along, sitting on the sidelines, waiting for their position to come whenever that time comes. But somebody will come in, and they will carry an anointing upon them, and they will be hungry. You can tell they've been in the presence of God. They're atmosphere shifters when they walk into the room. And you got somebody over here sitting on the sideline that they've been biding time, biding time, waiting on their position to rise up. When God says, not the position rise up, but let the church arise. Let let the, the, the church rise to their feet. The revivalists rise to their feet. And God is seeking those kinds of people. And I'm telling you what, I've got the heart for God. I, you, you may have the heart for God, but I'm talking about myself right now. I have the heart of God, the heart for God. So if God is seeking seekers, I am seeking seekers. I don't care uh, who's been here the longest. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is who is going hard after God. That is what is the most important in partnership. The church begins to look like it's run like a business. I've sat in meetings, man, and it's like, well, we can't give it to him because he ain't been here long enough. Well, if we do that, you know, oh, oh, Leroy, he's been on staff here for umpteen years. Leroy ain't done nothing. Are you following me? This is, this is inside the church. It's in your business. It's in your family. It applies to you. God is seeking seekers. Who are the seekers? Yeah. All right, man, I got to go. Don't confuse God's anointing with God's appointing. God anointed David as king of Israel. It wasn't a coronation service. You know what a coronation service is, right? It wasn't a coronation service. God anointed him. The prophet Samuel anoints him. And where does he go? Back to the field. Really? Because they didn't go to the palace? No, because God wasn't finished with all that yet. I, I cannot remember, forgive me, but it was something like 13 or 14 years before David actually was crowned king. So for 14 years, David, he's been anointed. He's been told, you are the future king of Israel. You will live in palaces. You will eat the finest food. You will wear the finest clothes. You will have the finest ephod in all of Israel. Like, he, man, you're going to drive the finest chariot. You're not even going to drive it. Other people are going to drive it for you. But not yet. Not yet. Because what happened, what had happened was, <laughs> when God said, anoint this one, he was anointing him and not appointing him. And many people confuse their anointing with their appointing. And I have people, man, they'll, they'll march up to me and they'll tell me they're a prophet. They'll tell me I'm, I'm this or that. I never, 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 never in my life have I walked up to anybody and said, Hi, I'm Rife Stewart. 
I'm the apostle in this region for Destiny Church. Just want you to know. I left my purple suit at home, you know. <laughs> All right, I shouldn't have said that. I take that back. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Because I probably had a purple suit at one point. I know I had a pink one, a teal one. Uh, a light blue one. You know, I had all them colors, but. But I never walk up to anybody and announce myself with a title. As a matter of fact, I was in the uh, computer store the other day. I'm just in there uh, getting the, one of the church's computer fixed. And there's this guy come in and man, he's letting it rip. He's, you know, one dirty flirty word after another is coming out of his mouth and the guy at the computer store he knows who you know he knows me well and uh he let it go for a little bit and he said now hang on he said you know we got a preacher uh in in, in our midst here and so the guy's like oh so all of a sudden man it stopped that damn dried up quick you know what i'm saying and but if the computer guy never said anything. I never would have said anything about it because, like, that's not important to me. And, you know, I didn't get offended by the man's language. I didn't get offended by that. You know, he's just being who he is. But when he found out who I was, it changed the way he, he was interacting. And uh, I got some sweet potatoes out of it. Because <laughs> I don't know, he was a sweet potato man. And he had some sweet potatoes there. And before I know it, he was handing me a bag of sweet potatoes. And I, I'm like. <laughs> so anywho, I'm just saying. Anointing and appointing are two different things. And we don't have to, we have to understand is that when God anoints us, the appointing will come, but it needs to come in God's time, in God's time. Well, it's easy for you to say that, Pastor, right? Because you're, you're, you're the leader, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 friend. You need to get to know me. If you want to go buy me dinner and let me tell you a story, I'll be glad to go out with you. But no, 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 uh-uh. It didn't happen like that. I have, I have gone through my season of waiting. I'm in a season of waiting right now. You always in some season of waiting. It's just waiting for something, for whatever the next is. But I've been in my season of waiting. I've been in a season where the Lord told me in 10 years. Like, man, to a 29-year-old, uh, 10 years, you might as well said 80. When he said, in 10 years, the Lord will, I'm like, oh, so the, Lord's anoint the Lord was anointing me, but he wasn't appointing me, and he's not going to appoint me for 10 more years? You remain faithful. Why? Because God's looking for a committed, diligent heart. You know what I did in that 10 years? I, 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 I leaned in. I learned everything I could from the men who I was around. I served like nobody's servant. I did everything I could to support the vision of, of, of my pastors. And, and uh, you know, and there were times where I'm like, I didn't necessarily even agree with their vision. You know what I'm saying? But, but because I was there, my job is to carry out that vision of that house. And so my appointing finally came. So listen, if you're in a place of waiting, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. The strength is going to come. You wait on the Lord. And when the time is right, God will open a door for you that cannot be uh, shut. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wait on the Lord. Get somewhere and serve. Look at this. God opens doors for seekers. 1 Samuel 16, verse 18 said, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons for Bethlehem, he's a talented heart player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, man of war, has good judgment. He's also good looking. That, that helps. Nobody wants to, oh, ugly person. No, I'm just joking. But anyway, I didn't say it. You know, the, the scripture's saying it. So, so, so he had his act together, man. And the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. The most important part of that, the Lord is with him. Stephen, would you come? The Lord is with him. I'm telling you what, guys. If we're not careful, 
We will put all that stuff at this place of priority that doesn't matter. I'm telling you, I want talented heart players, but not if the Lord's not with them. I want uh, uh, people who are brave and warriors, but not if the Lord is not with them. I want people who are loyal to me and this house, but not if the Lord is not with them. I want people who are uh, put together and nice looking, but not if the Lord is not with them. I mean, I've seen all of those things together and the Lord was not with it. I've seen it with my own two eyes. You may have seen it too. The most important thing there is that the Lord is with them and God opens the door. He will open doors for you. Listen, Saul was not looking for a musician. Are you following me? Saul wasn't looking for a musician. He had headaches or distress, all kinds of mental and emotional things going on. But it didn't cross his mind. That was a door that he opened through somebody else's suggestion. God created a position for him at the palace. He begins to open doors to make it happen. Listen, what if... What if David had said, the messenger comes out to wherever David was. Now, David is older at this point. They say that he might have been as young as anywhere from 10 to 15 years old when he was anointed. So so remember, meanwhile, back at the palace, remember, there's that time. So we don't know how old he was. He could have been in his late teens or whatever. Think... If the messenger came and said, the king wants you to be the uh, instrumentalist, his personal musician. (laughs) You're joking, right? Do you know who I am? Do you know who came and saw me? Do you know the prophetic word that was spoken over me? I ain't nobody's musician. I ain't nobody's boy. Like, you need to get up out of here with that. I... He's in my place. I ain't, you know, he's in my place. The Lord rejected him. Oh, Jesus. The Lord rejected him. He better get on up out of that seat because it's my time to drive. That's a whole nother message on touching not mine anointed. That's a whole nother message that we can learn from David and we'll see that later. But God opened that door. And when it came, why did David accept this position? Because he had a heart for God. Because he was a worshiper. Because he was humble. There was no job too low for him. Because he was a servant. That's why he accepted that job. God opens doors for seekers and God will open doors for you. But look at this. God promotes. He promotes seekers. It's in the verse of scripture here on the screen. So David went to Saul and he began serving him. How did he begin? Working as a musician, instrumentalist. And Saul loved David very much. As their their relationship progressed and David became the armor bearer. Think about this for a second. He began as a musician, but he became the armor bearer. Like, think about this. The armor bearer is the closest person to the king on the battlefield. You don't just give your armor to anybody. You don't just entrust your armor, your most valuable weapons to anybody. Like, that's, 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 that's just not a little promotion. That is a very high... Do you see what God is doing here? God is taking the ordinary, partnering with him, and he is making him extraordinary. Because to be the king's armor bearer, was an extraordinary position. Are you following me? 
Wow. God did all of that by looking at the kid's heart. Is your heart in alignment with Holy Spirit? Say this with me. The Father creates extraordinary partnerships with ordinary people. God, I'm an ordinary people. So create an extraordinary partnership with me. God's already uh, uh, created an extraordinary partnership with us as the corporate body. But in the corporate body, there there are individual bodies that God wants to create extraordinary partnerships with you in your private world. But God's already doing some extraordinary partnerships because we have said yes and we are aligning our heart with God and his word this is what I want you to this is what I want you to do how can I apply this word how can I how can I become a doer of what we've been talking about today and it's to align your heart with God's heart Align your heart with God's heart. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Wright? I would start just by searching it. I would start just by searching my heart. I would start by just saying, God, is there any, are there any ways in me that don't line up with you? And just let God begin to show you those. And he will show you those. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you and I'm trying to lead you in how to be a seeker of God. God, is there anything in me? Anything in me? Does my language line up with you? Does my mindset line up with you? Do my actions line up with you? Are some of the things I'm involved in, are any of them, do they not line up with you? Because I want to line up with you. And then here's the last one. Serve faithfully and wait on his appointment. Serve faithfully and wait on God's appointment. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of God. Don't try to step into something that God has not uh, appointed your season to happen yet. Wait on God and you serve faithfully. Serve faithfully. Serve faithfully. I promise you, if you'll do these things, God will begin to open doors for you And then you watch how fast promotion comes.